You're listening to The Fearless Hustle Collective, a podcast for creative female entrepreneurs and a home to honest conversations about the ups and downs of running your own business. I'm your host and business mindset coach, Anna Dunleavy, and we'll explore topics on self-doubt, following your intuition, and why self-limiting beliefs might be holding you back. Hello and welcome back to episode 74. Today's guest is Sarah Dwigu. Sarah is an embodiment coach and she helps women to connect back to their bodies in a gentle way that is full of self-compassion and self-love. Our lives are increasingly busy and Sarah helps others to find ways to create a practice of connecting and of slowing down to listen to the wisdom of our body. Sarah is a beautiful human in and out and I'm really excited to share this conversation with you all. She is also currently running a community project called Days of Connection and it's full of beautiful gifts from various practitioners, coaches, teachers and I'll pop a link in the show notes uh, for you to sign up. Let's dive right in. Hi Sarah, thank you so much for joining me. Why don't we start with you telling us a little bit about what it is that you do? Hi Anna, it's so nice to be here. So my name is Sarah Dwigu. Um, I am an embodiment coach, a somatics practitioner and a teacher. And what I do primarily is I work with women that are either in or approaching midlife to help them navigate coming home to their bodies. So quite often it's a time, maybe after you've had children or maybe if you're approaching or going into perimenopause that the body can start to do strange things. And, you know, also at that sort of transition point of sort of mid to late thirties, we start to have a different relationship with our bodies and society has a different relationship to our bodies. So I like to think that I just help to smooth that transition by helping women really make themselves feel at home in their physical bodies and their energetic bodies a little bit more Uh, so that we can experience a bit more ease and flow and connection to ourselves. Mm, I love that and we're gonna dig into that because I I want you to maybe explain a little bit more about what all of this really means in practice I guess Mm. but um, to start with it'd be great if you could tell us how you kind of what's been your journey to where you are now what's been your journey into this somatic work? Absolutely so are you sitting comfortably? <laughs> feel like I'm about to tell a bedtime story. <laughs> so I have always kind of been a mover. So from a, a young age, I was very much into gymnastics, uh, not so much dancing, but like I loved um, performing. And I mean, as that kind of like dissipated as I got into my uncomfortable teenage years, but I refound my love of movement into my 20s when somebody one of my friends dragged me along to a yoga class and I was completely not in it in like didn't want to do it at all and then with from the first class I kind of fell in love with this feeling of being really in my body again and it was that sensation of as I went further into sort of the yoga journey it was that sensation of being so connected to my body that I felt like I was connected to everything else as well So, you know, to sound very hippie, like it was that sensation of complete interconnectedness with everything. And I began to chase these little glimmers that I was getting within my yoga classes. And 
I started doing more and more crazy types of movement. When I was living in London, I did a bit of trapeze and I went to a circus school and I was thinking that the more extreme the movement would make, would equal more of those experiences. And I realized after a while of searching that that wasn't really the case. And actually what brought me more into my body was the quieter, more gentle practices where I could actually be quiet and slow down to what was going on in my body. Now, at that point, I wasn't teaching. Um, at somewhere in my 20s, I did a yoga teacher training. I went to India and did that and was there for six months. And then I came back and didn't have any money and uh, had to just go back to my normal job. My normal job was working as a product developer for footwear companies. So lots of busyness and uh, not very much more than sitting at a desk all day. I had the opportunity when I met my husband and we had our first baby. This was in my early 30s. We had the opportunity of moving countries and we went to live in Panama in Central America. And that was my uh, opportunity to completely change where I was in my career so I could have the opportunity to dive into movement. And that's basically what I did. That was over 10 years ago. And when I arrived in Panama, uh, I had another baby. And then I spent the seven, eight years we were there um, studying Pilates. I studied Koya, which is a kind of embodied movement class that, that works around dance and yoga and lots of different things. And I did more yoga training. And as I went through that, I was working with people privately and one-to-one. And it just took me into the coaching realm because I felt like in my private classes, I was already crossing that line into something that was more than just a private movement class. And yeah, I, I guess that's kind of the, the long short of it, of how I got to where I am now. And now I'm, I'm, I coach mainly, obviously online now with COVID. Um, and most of what I do is somatic based, very gentle in the body movement um, and things that you can use to relate to yourself on a different level. Mm. So that's a really kind of interesting journey I guess of obviously having always been maybe inclined to move your body in various ways to then you know having that corporate role and I suppose were you still kind of keeping your yoga practice whilst you were kind of working or how how did that look? Well you see that's the interesting thing because I think with having that very kind of nine to five job, a lot of my physical practice just went by the wayside. I was probably catching one or two yoga classes a week, but it wasn't woven into my life like it is now. And I think that that was one of the passions, that's kind of my passion project and what I love to bring to women is how to find out how to weave different small practices throughout the day. So you're not just relying on that one or two classes a week, but you're able to connect with your body on a more frequent, maybe slightly shorter um, period of time basis. Because I, you know, within that sort of nine to five job, it, it just didn't give me the room to be able to, or I didn't feel like I knew how to give myself space to be in my body unless I was just going to like particular classes. I think it's one of those things that, you know, modern life, it overwhelms us. It takes us into places that you know, suddenly we're on the wheel of doing and doing and doing, and we don't know quite how to get off or rebalance. Yeah, so perhaps we'll talk about the getting off and rebalancing in a second. But before we kind of move on and go any further, can you tell us what is 
uh, an embodiment coach and what does that somatic work actually involve in practice? What can people expect if they were to maybe work with you? Absolutely. So I think the best way to describe it is you can think of yourself of having different types of self-awareness. So we are really well versed in conceptual self-awareness. So that's thinking about the self. That's basically mindfulness. It's based on language and symbolism in forms of expression. And it's the it's engaged in like thought process. So categorizing, planning, reasoning, judging, evaluating. So it's very rational. And this is where we are quite often most comfortable. Now, what I work with a bit more and bias towards is embodied self-awareness. So that's a feeling or an experiencing of the self, almost like you're experiencing yourself from the inside out rather than top down. So rather than like head down. And it's embodied self-awareness is based on feeling and sensing, acting, and it's being in the present moment and able to feel all the spectrum of our emotions and be able to hold them equally, not biasing good or bad. So it's more spontaneous and creative and open to change and maybe slow and deliberate. That's something else you can maybe assign to embodied self-awareness. What you're saying in terms of, you know, you talked about how you actually found that it was the slower movement that allowed you to kind of really connect and drop into your body more. And I think I personally find that too. And and not to say that other types of movement aren't good, but I think when it comes to actually really connecting and kind of tuning in, if you like, I do find that it's the slower movement that where, you know, I really, I'm conscious of my breath and I'm kind of, I'm being intentional to, to actually kind of check in that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I think, I feel like there's not, I don't know. I, I love all types of movement. The slow, deliberate and gentle gives me more space to like, yeah, like you said, go into the layers a little bit more. But I have a real love for kind of powerful, energetic, energy clearing movement as well. And I think the space, I think the the, the whole, um, I think the link between them is absolutely intentionality and how you approach going into that movement. And um, being aware of, you know, how you can go into the layers of the body, like what is the route for you to communicate with your body? Because it, it's very different for people on different days. You know, sometimes that slow, gentle movement is exactly what you need. But sometimes what your body needs and what you need to be able to communicate with it is something that has a bit more fire to it. Um, So I think that's I feel like that's where my work comes in is to help you learn what your body's saying to you and how you can really listen and respond in the right way. That's going to be really nourishing. helpful. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that, because um, even recently, I remember I think it was a weekend or two ago we were kind of we'd been at home a lot throughout the day and I felt myself getting really restless and really slightly irritable let's say <laughs> and um and I just thought I'd, I need to just get out and go for a run and I know that like going for a yoga or doing some yoga probably wouldn't have hit the spot quite the same because I needed to let some energy out and it needed to be a little bit more like you say just a little bit more um fast and releasing in that way I guess Mm, exactly and this is the thing is I mean we could go down a rabbit hole of like 
completing the stress cycle. And mm. um, I think we'll talk about like some nervous system stuff a bit later. But I just, your body knows, you know, your body's inherently wise. It is inherently able to um, rebalance and come back into homeostasis and come in, come into, to, to give, you know, we're self-healing if we can get out of our own way. So we're taught or we're, well, we're not taught from a very young age. We are taught to ignore the signals from the body. You know, um, if you take it into sort of children at school, sit still, don't move, listen. You know, that, that is not the natural, necessarily the natural way a child wants to behave. He wants to move and wriggle and, and see and touch and be involved. And, you know, we, we very gently and, and quite, you know, we're very unaware of this as, as parents and as also as children, how much we are conditioned out of um, being with our bodies and knowing what, how we're feeling. Yeah, it makes me think actually that I think a lot of the time is just what's expected. And so we tell our kids to, like you say, sit still, don't do this. If we're in a supermarket, you're not running around because that's not the place to do it. But actually, a lot of the time they've got that energy and they, they want to move. Um, mm. So yeah, it's all the subtle messages that we're continuously <laughs> feeding, I guess. Mm. And this um, that makes me think of the thing that I always, one of the things I always begin with in our, in coaching classes on coaching lessons is that, you know, you have to start listening to the signals from your body. So quite often, and this is, you'll laugh because this is, this is the example I always give, Anna. <laughs> if you, how often a day do you ignore the fact that you need to go for a wee? You know, oh, I'll just finish this email. Oh, I'll, or it could be going for lunch, you know, I, and I, and I am absolutely, you know, I'm, I still do this. Oh, and I'll wait. I've got to finish this really important thing first. But every time we do that, we're telling our body it's not important and we're not listening. And it's even just, you know, it's, it's just the really simple things. It doesn't have to be like, doesn't always have to be monumental, huge shifts. It can be as simple as taking a drink of water when you really need one or you know going moving around in between writing your emails just just actually attuning to what the body needs yeah I think this reminds me that actually particularly if you are working and it's very your work is very desk-based like I can sit for hours and at the desk and then I get up and I have backache and I'm you know I'm not feeling good because mm. I've just completely forgotten that actually you know this isn't how we are designed to live I guess no exactly and and you know this is sort of the heart of this work usually we don't hear the body until or the the, the body speaks lot more loudly when there's pain involved so we, we don't hear it quite often until there's either emotional pain or physical pain stiffness tightness things like that but actually the body's communicating with us all the time. We're just not sensitive to, to hearing it. So I wanted to ask you about, so I know that some of your work, you know, uh, revolves around really tapping into the feeling of our self-worth rather than kind of trying to connect with it on a cognitive level. So can you tell us how we can begin to do that? And I know that obviously there isn't like this one way to do this and that's that you're connected you're you know feeling your self-worth it's it's a very much a journey but what are the ways in which we can kind of begin begin that journey I guess yeah well I mean gosh self-worth is a, a 
huge topic and mm. something I think that comes up for so many people. The more solid and grounded we are in our bodies, the more that we can hold and we can carry. So for me, with self-worth, it's wrapped up in this idea that um, we don't always feel that we are able to take up space in the world. So we don't always feel that we have a right to, you, we would call it physical autonomy, like, to, yeah, I mean, to take up space. For me, you know, self-worth is, we can think about self-worth and we can maybe, and this goes for lots of triggers or problems, problems, I use that in inverted commas, issues that we might have within our life. Until we feel in our bodies that we are worthy, if we're using self-worth as the example, we, it won't quite connect. So we can think about it all we like, but until we combine that with how self-worth feels in the body, it's not going to feel congruent. For me, self-worth isn't just something that we think. Quite often, we can see how self-worth shows up for us in our bodies. So we might hold our bodies in a, in a space or a posture that takes up less room. Quite often we notice feeling low self-worth as, as the gaze being lower, or you might notice uh, something that I work with clients on is, you know, how are your feet landing on the ground? You know, are, we, what, are you walking lightly? Are you feeling like you should be here? And there's a lot to do with self-worth around, you know, how, I mean, I've said it lots of times already, but it's how much space you take up and that can show up in your voice, how you land on the earth and absolutely in your posture. So for me, coming from a very movement-based background, the gold for this, for working with something like self-worth is to combine physical movement with emotional rebalancing. So for example, you might want to think about, you know, exercises or physical movements that help you have that position of um, taking up more space in the body. So that might be shoulders, your shoulders feeling back and down. So that very sort of queenly upright position where you're in the seats of your power. So anything that can help you move into that space, it, it sometimes it's just putting your attention there. I mean, you can all do this if you're listening to the podcast now. Potentially what you're doing is sitting there, if you're sitting like me, I just noticed I was doing it, <laughs> with my shoulders rounded, yep. up on my chair. <laughs> just going back to my normal, I you know, nobody can see me posture. But if you take a moment to maybe feel your feet on the floor, Notice your sit bones where you're sat in your seat and then feel the length of your spine and see if you can get that almost a sense of a column of light or energy radiating up your spine. And you'll probably notice that your shoulders automatically open. So the front of the heart, the front of the chest all automatically becomes a bit more open and you feel like the head is just balanced on top. So for me, that is an exercise you can do in taking up more space and therefore an exercise that can be connected uh, how your self-worth is or how you feel with your self-worth. I mean, there's lots of other ways we can somatically work with the body on that. But yeah, I think once you feel it in your body and you connect it to the emotion, that's for me, that's where the transformation lies. Mm. And as you said before as well, it is very much about this kind of gentle practice. It's not going to be I do it once it's fixed we feel better it's yeah. very much a practice yeah I mean, this is the thing is that you know it's 
this is this is something that I work with every day I work with this because I know I need it I am mm. I am very much at my um at the the soul of me I'm an overthinker and an overdoer and <laughs> somebody that is prone to burnout somebody that is prone to taking on too much and if I don't weave these practices into my day or if I don't bring attention to how I'm being in my body I have a tendency to you know to to experience any of those things you know feeling overwhelmed burnout you know going back to my um my self-soothing things watching too much crappy Netflix at the end of the night reaching for a glass of wine instead of doing something Mm. that actually will nourish me and it's it really is lifelong work you know we've it takes a long time to create these patterns and it takes a long time for you to unlearn them. And um, I, I always, I always worry that that sounds really depressing when I say that. (laughs) There is such a joy to working with the body and such a joy of learning to have a relationship with yourself, a relationship that you know, because because really we are everything to ourselves. You know, we are mother, father, parent, child. We are all aspects. We we have to be everything for us, and we should pour as much love into the relationship with ourselves. I just noticed I said should. Oh, sorry about that, people. <laughs> <laughs> we could <laughs> pour as much love into the relationship with ourselves as we do with our favorite people in the world, you know, our children, our loved ones, our family members. We don't, we often put ourselves at the bottom of the list. Mm. Yeah, don't we know it? Don't we know it. (laughs) So you talked about, you mentioned self-soothing. So I wanted to ask you about the autonomic ladder. I hope I've pronounced that right. Um, And and this kind of idea of self-regulating when perhaps things feel a little bit out of balance, mm. maybe a little bit overwhelming. What is it all about? If you can maybe just, yeah, explain a little bit about that. Yeah, so obviously, you know, nervous system health is a huge topic. So I'm gonna do my best at trying to just do it in a nutshell. And what I'm happy to do is, you know, hand. you can always put links to any of the, the documents that I reference when I'm talking about this um, in the in the show notes. Um, so with the nervous system, very basically, if you can think of it, it's nice to think of it as a ladder. So I like to think of it as a ladder. So at the top of your ladder, you have the ventral vagal activation which is kind of our 10 we call it tend and befriend or you can call it social and friendly that's where we feel like we can um, sense a spaciousness in our bodies we are really open to conversation connectedness things that bring you there is uh, laughing with your friends hugging your children being in nature you can probably notice that you're there because your voice feels very free we have lots of um, like rhythm and flow in our voice we call it vocal prosody so how it goes up and down and yeah I mean the, the easiest way to think of it is this is where you're feeling like your best you're feeling really good and then as we go down the ladder we have the sympathetic nervous system And this is more what we would know as fight and flight. So the signifiers, the body signifiers in this, you might notice your movements are quick and jerky. You might feel anxiety rising or agitation. You could get here, like into this fight and flight by simply opening your email inbox and feeling overwhelmed. 
mm-hmm. or driving to work and being stuck in traffic um, or when you feel like you're not being heard, you're not being listened to. And then further down the ladder, we've got dorsal vagal, which is our freeze. So this is um, where we would potentially feel like we can't move forward. You might get like, say, a fuzzy or thick sensation, feel super, super heavy. You might feel numb. And what might bring you there is being left out of conversations, having overwhelm all these demands that you can't meet and feeling very powerless. Now, we should, a healthy regulated nervous system can move and does move really easily through those uh, up and down the ladder throughout the day. A healthy nervous system doesn't just mean we're at the top of the ladder all day long and we're feeling amazing and that's it. We should be able to climb up and down that ladder and the sign of a dysregulated nervous system would be if you were stuck in sort of fight and flight or freeze for a bit too long so that you didn't feel like you were able to get out of it. So the best thing you can do to work, I mean, the best thing, there's so many things you can do to work with the nervous system. Um, Obviously meditation, somatic work coming into the body is really, really good. And there are ways if you're in a certain place, if you're in um, sympathetic or dorsal, so the fight flight or the freeze, that you can help to gently move yourself out of those. So something like going for a walk outside, asking for help, asking for somebody to listen to you. But it's really, really down to you. I I would say arming yourself with the knowledge of how this system of your body works Mm -hmm. so that you can identify where you are on the ladder and be able to hold that. So a lot of this is really just you know, going back to something I said right at the beginning, it's being able to hold the full spectrum of our emotions as humans and not feel too attached to any of them. Know that, you know, as, you know, emotion, it's, it's an event in motion. So like it it will always, you'll always move on. It's when we find ourselves stuck that, that feels really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned completing that stress cycle. Mm. And so you talked about, you know, maybe going for a walk how do we know, I suppose, how do we know if we need to complete it? How do we know that, or how do we know that we have completed that stress cycle? Is there any, are there any telltale signs that we can look out for? Uh, the, I'm going to give a slightly annoying answer. I'll say <gasps> you will feel it in your body. <laughs> <laughs> because that is when you'll know, you know, if, if there still feels like there's some agitation or humming or buzzing and this is why it's you know it's also this is why all of this work you know is uh, is a journey because it's like you learning a new language so and not everybody has a loud body you know when you go into your body you might not notice sensations you might get visuals or colors or different things it's learning how your body responds but it might be if you still yeah I mean the best answer I can give you there is is if it still feels like it has a residue then it has a residue and it's not that stress cycle isn't complete. Mm-hmm. There's a wonderful book. Unfortunately, I didn't write it, but uh, there's a wonderful book called Burnout. Um, I can't remember the names of the authors, but I'll, I'll link in the show notes because yeah. I've, I've bought it and the usual me, I've, I've kind of read one chapter and moved on to something else or went back to another book that I was reading. But I, I listened to a podcast, which I'll link to. Mm, Um, yes exactly and that really explained how we move so so they they explained it as moving through a tunnel didn't they in terms of yeah and so that really made sense to me 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a beginning and an end to it. And we quite often what we do is we don't get to the end of that cycle, you know, of that tunnel. We don't get to the light at the end of the tunnel. We we end up stopping halfway through or we don't we don't release it at all. We feel see quite often what the rhythm is, is we get these stressful moments or things that trigger us during our day. And then what we turn to is the less nourishing, soothing things that we do, like I mentioned before, like you get to the end of a stressful day and all you want to do is sit down and stick on the TV to numb out. So, you know, numbing out is not completing the stress cycle. Having a glass of wine, although there's nothing, you know, I have nothing against having a glass of wine, but if you're doing it because, you know, you want to forget about your stressful day, I would maybe suggest there's something else that you could do that would really nourish your body and then have the glass of wine, you know? Yeah. That's the thing though. It's, all those things in terms, you know, like maybe just watching TV, like maybe having a glass of wine or eating all the comfort food. Mm. We, again, it's kind of like, it's part of the society, I feel. Mm. Um, and it's such a common response that we wouldn't even question it. Well, no, exactly. This is it's kind of like what we're we're trained to do and we're it's it's in our advertising it's in our you know (laughs) it's like this go on carry on doing this I mean but there's a very social aspect to somatic work as well you know it's I could go down a rabbit hole of talking about uh, capitalism and our modern society and how you know how it stops us I mean again going back to how it stops us being in our bodies and really listening and doing what's most nourishing for us but but I'll save that for another time (laughs) (laughs) no but yeah it's it's true like you say it is very much it's there we see it all the time and we see friends talking about having a glass of wine after work because they've had a stressful day and so it it becomes kind of a normal way of life and Mm. like you said there's nothing wrong with that you know generally but obviously when it becomes like a coping mechanism I guess Mm. that's where we probably need to yeah when we need some attention to that Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So are there any other ways in which we can self-soothe, maybe even throughout the day? If we're Mm -hmm. feeling like the overwhelm is rising, maybe we have opened that, you know, stressful email from a client and that Mm -hmm. brings up some emotions. Is there anything that we can do physically, maybe even like sitting at the desk that would help us? Absolutely. There's so many things. (laughs) So if you could pick like one that we can, that's like quite easily accessible. I'm going to give you, I'm actually going to give you, so one of them we, we won't do at our desk. So the first one, my, one of my favorites, and I know that you love this too, Anna, is to shake it off. Mm. So literally shake it off. So this wouldn't be, you can do it sat at your desk, but my favorite way to do it is put on, uh, you can either do a shuffle on Spotify or whatever music um, provider you use. <laughs> <laughs> not an ad and or you can choose your favorite like uplifting song and just for the whole of that song or until your body knows it's finished go through each part of your body and shake so you can start with your hands into your arms and then you can start lifting you can lift one leg off the floor and shake that shake your bum your belly your shoulders and then allow your body to just shake off whatever it needs to so this comes from uh, peter levine's work and also you know it's it's a natural response for what animals do in nature so we've all seen like david attenborough programs where you know the gazelle is running away from the lion and thank god uh, the lion doesn't quite catch the gazelle and the gazelle runs away now the gazelle 
to reset its nervous system and to make itself come back into balance it shakes its body so we've all seen that you know like when when and you might if you have a dog you might see that or a cat you might see them do that same thing it's kind of these muscle twitches and that is what we are eliciting and inviting in when we shake mm-hmm. so that's a really good way to come back into our body that was longer than i intended <laughs> and another one that i love on a similar vein you can pat and and kind of like tap around the borders of your body so you would start with your right hand tapping your left hand you can do this sitting down absolutely and you would tap 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 all the way the back the front of your arm up to your shoulders you would tap over your chest you'd do the same for the other arm you do down your arms and legs your bum your tummy your back however wherever you can reach and then with any of these what this does sorry to, to let you know what that does that absolutely is wonderful at bringing you out of your head and into your body because what we're doing is we're reaffirming the boundaries the space the shape of the body and we're telling ourselves we're here we're here we're not just in our heads but we're here in our hands our arms our chest our legs our toes we do not exist just in our heads mm-hmm. and this is really the key to all of the somatic work that we do it's seeing if we can step down from this driver that likes to take control, the mind, the head, and come down to some of the body wisdom that lays just just through the neck, just down there. (laughs) And that's that's just two. Yeah, they're really helpful. (laughs) And so the shaking is something that you taught me. And it's not really something that I have tried before I've heard of it before but I think it was kind of one of those things that you know I kind of heard and forgot about quite quickly but it's such an easy way to kind of it's for me it's also kind of just shifting out of maybe almost kind of like releasing energy that feels a little bit I don't know whether that's stagnant or whether I am feeling a little bit overwhelmed and it's kind of like shaking it all out and yeah and it's such a an easy thing that you can do well mostly anywhere not maybe in an office full of people if you know you don't want them to start (laughs) you can always go to the like you know find yourself go to the toilet and do it you know (laughs) go to go to a private space if you don't want to be seen go to a private space and do it Mm -hmm. you know and at home it's the same sometimes we just don't want to be watched in our process that's totally fine you might not even want your partner to be witness to that but you can always this goes back to like self-autonomy you are you're the boss of your body and you get to choose what it does where it does and who is witness to it yeah um you know that's it's a very empowering thing to remember that Mm. and I think it also comes down to choosing what feels safe to you in the moment as well yes yeah absolutely because if we we don't feel safe that release won't happen Mm. If we don't feel safe, it's not, it's, you know, it's not going to, in quotation marks, work. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) it will stay, that residue will stay in the body. Okay. So as we are coming to the end of our chat today, I wanted to ask if there was one tip that you could give your younger self, what would it be? It would be to not stop what I what you're led towards in your heart and your body just because of what other people think a hundred percent yes (laughs) because that you know I think I I think we all I think this is resonant for many people but I 
absolutely shifted away from everything that felt like it was inherently me Mm -hmm. because I thought it wasn't cool or wasn't going to be well accepted and and I did that for a lot I mean I you know I did that for a long time probably until my until I came back to movement as my job which was in my early 30s I think I I think I was yeah I was running away from from myself for a long time Mm. I think that will resonate for so many people because again it's the societal pressure of what's expected what's Mm. you know what is success and then we follow that without really maybe potentially kind of slowing down to actually checking with what feels good to us exactly and if I could my guess but you know what I just realized I guess what my I would say to my younger self is remember the job is enjoyment Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Remember the job is enjoyment. You know, like do what feels good. Do what feels good all the time. <laughs> yes. Not what other people think. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll leave it on that very positive note. Where can people find you? So on Instagram, I am Sarah Dwigu, and that's Sarah without an H. So it's S A R A D U I G O U. And then my website is the same it's sarahdwigu.co.uk. And that's that's it. I think I think I think that's the only places I am. <laughs> Perfect. I'll link to this. <laughs> we won't take the address this time. No, are you sure? <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today. Oh, it's been such a pleasure, Anna. I really, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I'd be so, so grateful if you could leave a review on iTunes so that other female creatives can find this podcast too.